Good morning and welcome to Ovidas Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is my name is Penny C and I am recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, October twenty eighth, twenty twenty, and this is the seven AM Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page thirteen. We are reading one paragraph, that's the third paragraph that begins with my schoolmate visited. Today's readers are Leah L. for the steps, Sam S. will do the traditions, and the readers of the text are Julia, Irene B., and Wendy M. will be our backup. The newcomer greeter is Vinnie T., and the host for the second hour will be Nancy P. The reference numbers for yesterday, October 27th, are these, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 15,640, 15640. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 15,642, 15642. The preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who do shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose is this. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And Leah L., will you read the 12 steps, please? Hi, my name is Leah L. from New York City, and these are our 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, we direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, 
as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. In 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much for letting me be of service. Thank you, Leah. And now I'm going to ask Sam S. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Sam. Good morning, Penny. Thank you. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, each OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me do service. Pass. Thank you, Sam S. And now how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, you would press star 1 to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study on page 13, the third paragraph, which begins with my schoolmate visited. And Julie R., please uh, start the reading for us. Hi, thank you, Penny. Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. 
My schoolmate visited me, and I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. We made a list of people I had hurt or toward whom I felt resentment. I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals admitting my wrong. Never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. You know, this paragraph has steps four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine in them before they were, tech, you know, even written. It's When I first read this paragraph, I didn't realize what it contained. It was, I was just kind of reading Bill's story, but when I really started to study the big book and it became alive in me, I got to break this down and to see, you know, the first sentence when he talks about, I get to uh, fully acquainted him with my problems, deficiencies. You know, that's where we have written our four step and we list, uh, we made a list of people I had hurt or toward whom I felt resentment. You know, that's that, the four step. I mean, we write down our resentments, you know, people, places, things, institutions, because that's the beginning it's the beginning of my healing is when I can do my fourth step because I get to see things come together. You know, it's not so important why I did these things. It's the fact that I did them to survive. And then we get to move past them. Um, I express my entire willingness to approach these individuals admitting my wrong. And I like that because I have it highlighted and color-coded entire willingness. I just can't just want to do this halfway. I have to be in this all the way or it's going to be like anything else I've done where I I will stop before the miracle happens. Um, I have to admit my wrongs. This has nothing to do with the other person. Never was I to be critical of them. You know, I I remember doing one of my very first um, amends. This is years ago. And I went to my sister and I said, I know you're sick, but I want to tell you I'm sorry for what I've done. Well, you could imagine how that went. Uh, it didn't go very well. And obviously I had to redo that a few years later. Um, I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. And I like to to think about that to the utmost of my ability. But then after that, that's where I get to bring God in. Because, you know, the paragraph before is all about, you know, step three, humbling offering yourself to God. Um, you know, Bill was just, I don't know, I don't want to say he was a genius, but he was definitely divinely guided. And I am so grateful that, you know, that I try to clean up my messes as they occur. You know, sometimes it takes me a little while, but, you know, if I don't do this, I'm going to be face down in the food. But way before that, I'm going to lose my emotional sobriety. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Penny. Thank you, Julie. And that was Julie R. from California. And now I'm going to, in just a second, take some names for people who would like to share. But first, let me say that we're asking people who have shared in the last two days to please hold back and allow other people's voices to be heard. And so, and so, um, if you've shared on Monday or Tuesday on any of our meetings, please, please do that. And also, it's been suggested that when you give your name, uh, when you go to share, please say what state you're from, so that people who might want to look your name up on the member list will be able to identify you. So with that said, who would like to share on this paragraph? Julie R. 
Was the other A U K? Oh gosh, I heard someone from the U K and then the other. Yeah, Rasta. She had a C. Did I hear Janet? Shanna C. Shanna C. Okay, let's, let's. That's all I have right now. Shanna C. Let's try again. Lisa B. Okay, Lisa somebody B. B. Somebody Lisa B. B. Lisa B. And I think there was another uh, person B. Who was Alyssa. Loretta H. Okay. So far I have Shanna, Lisa, and Loretta. Who is from the U.K.? From the U.K.? Okay, from the U.K. I don't have your name, but I know you're from the U.K. Would you say your name? Liz. Maybe you'd spell it for me. Liz from the UK. Oh, thank you. Liz from the UK. All right. Laura Some days are easier than others. <laughs> I'm having a hard time being heard. Can you hear me? My yes. name is Marissa. Marissa? I'm not, you, you're breaking up a little bit, but we'll try. Here's what we're going to start with. Shanna C, Lisa B, Loretta H, Liz from the UK, and Marissa. And so, Shanna, would you get us started, please? Uh, yes, uh, thank you so much. This is Shanna C, a recovered compulsive eater in uh, East Tennessee. Um, very grateful to be on the line this morning. Thank you all for your. We're not hearing anyone. Our one penny C. Um, we lost Shanna. Shanna, could you spare one, Shanna, please? Shanna, we yes. can't hear you. Hey, sorry about that. Can Can you hear me now? Yes, go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, did you hear it? Because I, I was talking for a couple of minutes. or We didn't hear did much you? at all. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Again, this is Shanna C. from uh, Tennessee, gratefully recovered, compulsive eater. Um, okay, so, yeah, this paragraph uh, basically summarizes uh, what Bill did. Um and from from step four through through nine um, pages, I believe it's uh, well from the fourth step all the way up to page eighty three. Uh, the directions on how to do this, um, I have, you know, are, are are written in those. But this is basically a summary of of what was done. And so grateful that there are directions on on how to do that fourth step, uh, fifth step, um, six and seven, the meanings behind it, the prayers associated with each step, and the promises with each step. Um, and so grateful I was given the opportunity to do this work um, and the de desperation to do the work uh, fully because um, that's what enabled me to recover from this horrible, horrible, horrible disease. And um, and uh, what really jumps out at me is, uh, you know, we made the list of people uh, I had hurt. So it's, t it's saying I have hurt people. Um, 
regardless of, of what level of sainthood I thought I was living in for so long, I have hurt people. Um, and that I, you know, I felt resentment toward. And then as the result of going through and having given my will and my life over to God and looking at this stuff in black and white and seeing where I had, you know, been so wrong in my thinking and the actions that was a result of the twisted thinking and the spiritual sickness that I, you know, had carried, I saw that I couldn't change myself and the only way to change and to actually create the fellowship I craved with the people that I always wanted to be with was, you know, and that I couldn't do it without God's help. And so that came the willingness to approach these individuals, admitting my wrong um, and resolutely looking at my own mistakes and the willingness to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. I can't create that kind of willingness within myself. Um, I, the only thing I can do is uh, take the action based on the fact that, that I'm left to my own devices, I will continue to cause harm. And I'm um, so grateful to have to do that today, grateful for the support of my sponsor, the directions in this book, and um, a clear clear relationship with the God of my understanding, who, who's the one who keeps me recovered. Um, thank you, God. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Shanna C. And next we have Lisa B. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Penny. Thank you so much for your service and everyone that's here. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I do spell my name L-E-S-A. Um, it says here, I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. So that requires that I have the ability to have a clear mind and honesty and you know it just makes me need to share my experience when I came in here it wasn't well the God idea definitely was difficult for me to uh, come to deal with because of my old ideas but really what's even more difficult for me to come to terms with was the idea of entire abstinence first you know and that's why the preceding pages before i get into the directions of the fourth step in in the chapter how it works was so important to really go through those pages with a fine-tooth comb with someone in whom the problem had been solved that could help me really start in the beginning you know with that entire abstinence because I've tried this program before, but I had never been entirely abstinent. And I mean, I really got rid of all the biggies, you know, the heavy hitters, the big items, and even some of the major behaviors, but I still never really had that entire abstinence. And that was the key for me. So being an entire abstinence and then getting into that chapter, how it works and understanding my true step one problem and that I'm doomed, that there's really no hope for me, I was then able to fully acquaint my person, my big book guide with my problems and deficiencies because I had the clarity of mind. And it says we made a list of people I had hurt. It was, I really needed help with that inventory and, and helping to see helping me to see what it was like to be on the receiving end of Lisa, an untreated compulsive overeater. You know, and I had been, um, high functioning and I looked okay on the outside so it was so hidden the subtlety but the selfishness is what I saw finally I was able to see with more clarity and you know even today I still am not always clear of what it's like to be on the receiving end of me even though I'm recovered I still can 
be untreated, you know, at moments. And that's why um, I need other recovered fellows. And when I was looking at my eighth step list, the prayer that helped me was, God, please show me how I have hurt these people. Please show me how I have hurt them. And I needed to get quiet and listen because, you know, my sponsor really couldn't tell me truly how I had hurt them. I needed to go in prayer. I mean, certainly she helped in, in many ways, but also going to other recovered fellows and asking for them to share their experience with similar cases. And then I was also encouraged to take the more difficult um, amends and put them towards the bottom and start with the simpler ones because each time I do an amend, I become more and more unblocked and I can hear my higher power more and more. But it's, it's an amazing That's process. Time, but, oh, there's no way, no way I could have done it without that entire abstinence and the strong fellowship. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Lisa B. And next we have Loretta H. Hi, good morning, Loretta. Good morning, Penny. This is Loretta H., and thank you, everyone, for your service and also the shares that followed me. I am Loretta H., compulsive overeater, graced with God's absence for to-do and recovered, and I'm from North Carolina. Okay, I, I love this. I was to write all such and to the utmost of my ability, all such matters to the utmost of my ability. And on 158 of the big book, it says, when I found God, I found myself. And the first, Bill found God in the previous chapter, and now I'm trying to find out who Retta is in um, 4 through 9. And that was a real, real this time enjoyable trip i um have done the steps uh several times before this but i did it with a visionary sponsor this time and i just finished about right before covid and it was such a a deep dive great experience and with that i amends that i had made before i even cleared those up more thoroughly so that i can basically live happy, joyous, and free today in this world that's so crazy. I'm so grateful I just did them. I honor God that I happen to do them. I hear some background noise, um, that I could do them right before everything just happened. And I um, made an amends just about four or five weeks ago to the Catholic Church uh, because I had such a resentment for my childhood, and it was the most amazing, amazing experience. I, um, this, it was just, I wanted to kiss the priest, and I found not only was my relationship with God better, but my relationship with now when I do walk into a church or a place of worship, I really have the presence of God there. I really do. As Bill, he also, um, you know, the cathedral. Uh, he he was at at a I can't even talk. I hear this background noise, and because of this step work I did, I walk in there and I see God today. And these steps work because uh, they have really healed all my relationships. My husband, my
Loretta, star one, please. We lost you. Hi, Loretta. I, I keep, yes, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you now. Please go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't know where I left off. I don't know. Anyway, I just, as I said, I'm 158. When I found myself, I found God. And because of that, I was able to really, really get healed this time with um, the new step study I did with my visionary sponsor. And with that, I pass. I'm sorry you couldn't hear me. I pass, and thank you, everybody, for being on the line. Thank you, Loretta. Penny C, star one, please. Thank you, Loretta. We heard just about everything you said. And now, uh, Liz from the U.K., would you please share? Hi, Liz. Hi, Liz E from the U.K., for um, elegant Um, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater thank you to everybody for their service today and for everybody being on the line Um, not sure what I'm going to say I ask my higher power to help me with this Um, I've read through this book a number of times and been studying it but today I see a new word or new phrase I had hurt and that's really stunned me quite hard internally for me to think, you know, I, you know, I'm this great person. I don't really hurt people, do I? And of course I do really hurt people. And that's something I really need to go away and think about a bit more. And um, the amazing, through studying this recently with a big, uh, with a visionary sponsor, um, I experienced some pretty awful things, like I'm sure many people on the line have done. I experienced abuse and dysfunctional childhood, etc., etc. But what this helps me see is not to stay in that story and keep refeeling. And re- resentment comes from the French word resente, which means to refeel and keep and stick in the story. And that was just so helpful. For me to, to, you know, and my part is holding on and sticking in that story and re, you know, going over and in my head, going back to being that eight-year-old and my mother telling me something that really wounded me. My mother was, you know, doing her best. I understand she was coming from a place of love and she messed up quite a bit and so did my dad. But hey, and but my part, is staying in and going back to that eight-year-old self and refeeling and refeeling and not being able to move on. So, and so that has been the massive light bulb moment for me. Is really what is my part? And I love the sort of instructions that you know the cause. We describe it in seventeen words or less, and because. You don't want to stick in the story. So, you know, I could write a PhD essay on what my family did to me, what my ex-partner did to me. But actually, 
what is my part? Because that is what will get me better. That is what gets me to recovery, is identifying my part, my role, what I did, what I, who I hurt, what resentments I have, and um, admitting my wrongs, and really looking at it from that perspective. I mean, it's just so clever. So in one short paragraph, they really, Bill W. concisely describes Bed what I need to do. Thank you, and I'll pass. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much, Liz E. from the UK. And next, I believe there's a Marissa. Do we have a Marissa who'd like to share? No, I I I I heard wrong. All right, then I'm ready to take more names, and I'm going to do my very best to hear everyone's name who wants to share. Who would like to get on the? Hi, my name is Narissa, and I was trying to share, but I oh, okay. the mute button right. All right, go ahead, Marissa. My name is Narissa with an N, like Nancy, from New York. Narissa, okay. And I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I did, I um, originally, I've done the steps many times in another program, and when I came to OA, I thought it was just going to be the same formula and work the same, and I was just going to move on. And um, it was just totally different for me in OA. And I'm glad I had a, I did this with a sponsor that um, works in the big book. And um, I was able, I had even more resentments than I thought I did and um, have been able to make amends uh, quickly. And actually, I'm glad that I'm on this meeting today because tomorrow is the anniversary of my mom's passing. It'll be three years and driving to work and just thinking about, um, you know, I don't want to cover these feelings up with food. This is my first time abstinent going through this. And I usually every year have uh, resentments against my uh, a family member for, for things that happened during my mom's passing. And listening to this now um, is inspiring me to call my sponsor and to go back and maybe read the, these couple passages and, you know, um, do some resentment work on those family members. And I'm seeing that where was I selfish? Where, what, you know, maybe I'm holding on to something. You know, I'm seeing that I did want things a certain way during that time, and those people are hurting too. And so now I'm thinking of, you know, doing that 10th step, which is just, you know, an ongoing living of the, of the nitty-gritty fourth step, and then seeing how I can be of service to my family members or others in this program. And I, I just really needed to hear what you all had to say. Um, I needed to share. I think I'm feeling a little mo- more emotional than I thought. I, I've been holding on to this all week and not realizing it. And it's so inspirational how many uh, layers there are to peel and that I don't have to do this alone. I'm going to be okay. And I really just thank you for letting me share this. I pass. Thank, thank you so much, Narissa. All right, now I'm ready for more names. And let me just tell you, where we are, we are on page 13 in Bill's story, the paragraph that begins with my schoolmate visited. So um, who who else would like to share? Deb E. Laura L. Laura L. Deb E. 
Gabby E. Crystal P. Um, I didn't get your first name, last initial P. Crystal P. Crystal P. Crystal P. Okay. Jennifer Jennifer C. Jennifer C. One more. All right, let's go to Kathy E. then. Kathy E., would you um, begin the sharing on this second round? Kathy E.? One more time. Kathy E., are you there? Okay, how about Laura L.? Did you mean Deb E? Was it Debbie? Can you hear me? I think you wrote me down as Gabby E, but it was Deb E. I'm not Debbie. sure. All right, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Um, this is Deb E, um, recovered compulsive over ear, calling in from Israel. And um, this, these few words, or toward whom I felt resentment, um, stood out to me today. Most of my four steps that I've done have included like big resentments. And then a few years ago, I got challenged by a new sponsor to write down like all the all the little nitty gritty stuff that annoyed me. Um, and I never thought that that had any place on a fourth step. Um, I thought that was just me getting annoyed too easily. And it was really helpful to write all those things down because I could see my character defects so clearly and see the patterns. Um, that kind of get string strung along when seeing a whole list of them together. Um, it really helped me work through those resentments. The other part of this paragraph I wanted to share on was never was I to be critical of them. I wanted so badly to be critical of the people I was resentful towards. I didn't think it was fair that I didn't get to be critical. Um, it was, you know, and I still struggle with that sometimes with a couple of like, you know, people who are really close to me, that it's old stuff that kind of keeps coming up. Um, but then it finally shifted for me when I heard someone share that letting go of resentments doesn't excuse the person that we're resentful towards for their part. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden there are these angels that had no part in it that didn't do anything to hurt me. It just means that I can't do anything about their behavior. I can't do anything about them. And if I focus on what they did wrong to me, then I miss out on the opportunity for furthering my recovery by really looking at myself and seeing like how my character defects are playing into that particular resentment and what I can do to really work on my part to let go of it because holding on to resentments doesn't help me at all. And the other person usually has no idea that I'm even resentful. So it doesn't do me any good to, to keep resenting them. Um, Another quick thing I wanted to share was I, I really like this one. I've heard someone say that they're like, well, do you, you know, do you like that person you're resentful towards? And the other person says, of course not. <laughs> like, well, you're going to hang out with them all weekend. You know, do you want to spend the whole weekend with them? Because you're going to if you hang on to that resentment. And, um, yeah, so this is something, it's a work in progress, even after years of four steps and nine steps and then program. 
um, it's a good humbling reminder that I'm just a human being and resentments do come up and at least I have the tools of this program to help me deal with them. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Debbie, from Israel. And now, um, Laura L., are you there? Laura L., star one. Hello? Yes. Hi. Um, my name is Laura. I'm a compulsive reader recovered from Pennsylvania. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. Okay. okay. Um, so for me, this this part of the book was really hard. Um, you know, the eighth step, of course, I thought I, I didn't do harm to anyone and that there was no way I was going to make amends to anyone, that people harmed me more than I harmed them, especially my parents. I mean, I was terribly injured as a child, I felt and I spent so many times in psych wards and eating disorder units and emergency rooms with waiting for them and, and family counseling to tell me that they were sorry, you know, that I ended up the way I did because I thought I was because of them. And then especially God, I felt God harmed me. He gave me a raw deal, you know, terrible childhood, and this was his fault too. And, you know, I just waited and that never happened, you know, but for me, I'll do a step four. You know, I thought when I saw the step nine, when I came into the program, I thought, no way, I'll do a step four because it's all about me. But step nine, that's about God's kids, and that's about repairing the damage that I've done with God's kids. But when I came into this program, I had so much self-centeredness and so much self-delusion that I thought when I did something wrong, it was really cute, it's really precious, you know, and that I'm trying my best, and you you should all forgive me. But when you do something wrong, I think it's terrible and disgusting, and that I need to call 20 people and tell them that you should be brought to justice. You know, I wanted um, mercy for me and justice for you. And my sponsor said that is not how it goes here. And also, you know, I was just doomed by such a level of self-pity that everything that how I thought that you harmed me, it eclipsed everything in my life that was good. You know, and I thought, and it was so intrusive that I just could not get over it. And I thought that it had eliminated any possibility for me to be happy or connected. Um, and I just painted myself into this spiritual corner because I thought it was your fault. Um, and because because I could only see the harm that you did to me, I ate at you, I ate because of you, and I ate for you. And I thought, sorry, not sorry, you know, didn't really care. And the truth is, you know, when I was into my into the food, I would take the vehicle of my life and I would run it into a brick wall and take everyone down who would try to get in between me and my food. And I will throw that same vehicle into reverse and take a running start and hit that same brick wall and knock all of those people over and over again. But I could not see it. There was no way that I could see it. And when I got abstinent, I could not possibly understand the gravity or the enormity of the harm that I had done to my family. Because I think if I could have, I think it would have broke my back. You know, the pain just, I don't think I could have fit it in my head. And I heard this man say it at a meeting. It's like driving the station wagon. You smack your kid, you throw it in the back. You know, you're in your disease. You steal money from your parents, you throw it in the back of the station wagon, you get fired, you owe the IRS money, you go bankrupt, you have an affair, you throw it all in the back of the station wagon, and then you get abstinent. It's like, bam, you slam on the brakes, and all that crap hits you from the back of the station wagon, and that's steps eight and nine. It's the wallpaper of my mind, and those are the things that the big book talks about that we tremble and hope that they never see the light of day, but one thing that I've discovered is that what you guys have taught me is when I let you off the hook, I'm really letting myself off the hook, and I'm giving you exactly what I wanted for myself, and my separation from you starts to fade, and God's kids and my separation from God starts to fade, and that's really all that I've ever wanted. And the last thing I'll share is I heard a woman say at a meeting, she said, forgiveness is giving up the hope of a better past. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Laura L. And now we have Gabby E. Good morning, Gabby.
Gabby E. Where was Laura L. from? You know what? I wrote, I didn't write it down. Pennsylvania. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. But I'm looking for, now I'm looking for Gabby E. I think Gabby E. shared first. Gabby E. was Deb E. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know what's the matter with my ears today. Um, Crystal P., you're next then. Hi, good morning. This is Crystal. Good morning. This is Crystal P. from Toronto. Can you hear me, Penny? Yes. Okay, great. Um, Hi, Crystal P., compulsive overeater from Toronto. Uh, it was so good to read this about step four because what I what jumped off the page for me is how different this is from what I used to do um, when I had resentment. You know, what my my only tool to deal with them was venting. I would call up a friend and give them you know my whole life story and this resentment and what they did and what I did and all of that stuff. And I'm so grateful because I when I came into step four, that's kind of a little bit of what I thought was going to happen was that I was going to get to vent out all of these things that I wanted to say about my mom and my dad and everybody. Um, but what I've learned in, through doing step four, because step four teaches me how to live the rest of my life, is that I approach this conversation not with trying to justify myself, but I just want to get better. I just want to not be a sick person anymore. And that's a very different motivation. And um, I, I heard this and it really stuck with me where, Every time I was trying to justify myself and I was trying to vent, what I was trying to do is I was trying to get God on my side. You know, I want everyone and especially God to be on my side of the street. And what I realized is I don't need to have God on my side. I need to have God by my side. And that's what I get through this process, is that God comes to be by my side so he can walk with me through everything. And the other difference is, I got to see the real nature of my wrongs, you know. As an example, with my mom, um, I really thought, you know, I got to the, this, I thought I'd gotten to this really, you know, high-level place when I did my step four where I realized that, oh, my wrong was that I hadn't forgiven her. Like, I had held on to the fact that she had, I thought she had been just a terrible mom to me, misunderstood me, blamed me, ignored me, never appreciated me, always made me feel like she wished, you know, my cousins were her real daughter, you know, and I thought, oh, I, I had not risen above and forgiven her. That was my wrong. But in this step, I saw the true nature of my wrongs. What I realized was that my mom had loved me my whole life, but because it didn't come in the package I wanted, in the exact look and feel, it was worthless to me. I threw it away and rejected it. And the other thing that I saw was that she, I had done to her exactly what I accused her of doing to me. I would purposely go out to teachers and aunts, and I would treat them that they were my real mom to purposely show her that you're not being a good enough mom to me. You know, and those were where my eyes opened. And I think once I saw the real nature of my harm, then the willingness to go to my mom is now so easy. I, there's no bones. Like, I can't wait to go to my mom and say, I'm so sorry that I wasted all that time. You loved me so much, and I just didn't see it. Those are not the words I'll use, but... But just the willingness is there because I see the real nature of my harm and I don't want to be sick anymore. So I'm so grateful that this is such a different process from what I thought it was going to be. Thanks for letting me share it, Pat. Thank you, Crystal P. from Toronto. And next, Jennifer C. Hi, 
Hi, good morning. This is Jennifer from Greenville, South Carolina. Um, so thankful for everyone's shares this morning. Um, so what I learn in this program is that resentments and blame and self-centeredness are not God's will for me. Okay, bottom line. Um, my freedom today is learning to live and breathe in God's will for me, right? Um, so I make a list of all the people and the situations that make me itchy. And, uh, you know, some of my initial confusion around this step was determining if things were actually resentments. And what I learned was that anything that makes me itchy needs to be looked at, right? Restless, irritable, discontent. Um, and when I look at these people and situations, I am looking at them now in a way that uh, sets me free, right? Why am I doing this work? One word, freedom. God wants to set me free from the bondage of self. That's why I'm doing this work. So I ask the question, uh, you know, where's my thinking causing me suffering? It's my thinking about the resentment that's causing me suffering. Um, so page 27 says that these vital spiritual experiences that we desperately need, right? That's what I'm after today. I'm after a vital spiritual experience. And it tells me that these experiences are manifested in huge emotional displacements, which means ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces, right? These resentments, this self-centeredness, which was once the guiding force of my life is suddenly cast to one side. And that's the first couple columns of my fourth and my 10 step inventory, right? That's the one side. And then a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate. That's the remaining column. So when I ask God to show me his perspective, he does. And what's beautiful to me is that this separation of the first couple columns, um, you know, seeing my part and the, the last couple, right, is the sick man's prayer. So it's inviting God's grace in and remembering that this person needs God as much as I do, right? So they need this rearrangement of thought as much as I do. They're powerless over their initial thoughts and feelings just as much as I am. And it's giving that grace, knowing that we are all powerless without the power of God. But this book tells me that resentments and blame and self-centeredness and self-pity are luxuries for the non-alcoholic. And I don't have that luxury today. I don't have it. So I must turn in all things to the Father of light so he can show me where my thinking is sick, right? This is sick thinking that we're, that we're getting free from. So it's not the person or the situation. It's my thinking. It's my, it's my ideas about the situation. Um, and so this transfer from my self-centered perspective to a mindset of freedom is when I ask God to show me my part. And when I ask that question, God, where's my thinking causing this resentment? He'll show me because his will for me is always freedom. So just, you know, to close first from the monster of food addiction, right? We've got to get free from this monster. Um, and then I need to be free from my old thinking, the old thinking. That That's time, Jennifer. So thank you so much, and I'll just say this. The doctor's opinion tells me that my eyes must be founded in a power greater than myself. So I must look to God to set me free from all these old patterns so that I can live in this new way of life. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank you so much, Jennifer C. And now we have time for at least two, perhaps three more people. I'll take three names and see where we are with time. 
Linda D. Where are Irene. we on, please? Irene D. Who was after Linda D? No, just. Sorry, I have a question. What page are we on and paragraph? Page 13, the third paragraph, my schoolmate visited. So I have Linda D. Do we have anyone else who would like to share now? Eileen B. Eileen B. Okay, let's just do those two, and then we'll see how much time we have. Thank you so much. Linda D., would you go ahead? Sure. Good morning, Penny. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. I'm a compulsive overeater. I live in central Connecticut in Meriden. Hmm. A lot of talk. Uh, I've had a lot of experience in the program. I've been here a really, really long time, about half my lifetime. And I know one thing. I don't know much at all. That is um, precious to me. Um, We had a paragraph recently about uh, chaos in our minds, the chatter. And I do wake up with that. And it's really smart of me wise of me, I should say, to surrender. Um, I came in for all the reasons people do. Um, I was shattered. I was fortunate that I was shattered. I know today um, that God is, and God is real, and God is love, and that's inside me. All those instructions are in the book, and it took a lot of practice over and over and over to understand, to get out of the way, all I have to do is ask, what do you want me to do next? And listen, slow down, slow way down and listen. And um, the thing that I uh, pull out of today's reading is this. Today, not excusing anything that I did wrong in the past, or that my folks did wrong, or other people did wrong. Um, All those things happen. That's real. I have a voice today. This program, this God, has given me, all of you have given me these steps, have given me the ability to learn something new, which is how to love myself, how to speak up for myself and not be a professional victim. I was a helpless person. I didn't even know it. Very helpless. If I don't love who I am, the game's over. And the program has given me the ability to learn more and more how to love you, love myself, extricate myself through grace, entirely through grace, from shame, shame and guilt and self-hatred. I'm eternally grateful for this tremendous gift, and I pass. Can you see star one, please? Thank you, Linda D. And now we have Eileen B. Good morning. Good morning, Penny. Thank you so much for your service. I am Irene B. A very grateful recovered bulimic. Um, the chairs today have been spectacular rockets. 
ships to the to the universe. Just beautiful. Thank you to all who have shared and to all who provide service for this meeting. Um, you know, this step nine, making amends, uh, that's what jumps out from this paragraph to me. And when I was doing my steps, um, I told my sponsor that the person I needed to make amends to the most was me. And then I've heard in this program that that's not how it works uh, because I have been very self-sabotaging, self-destructive. Um, I just haven't treated myself kindly. And that's all true, but um, not to cross-talk or anything, but like the previous year said, um, you know, um, it's like I'm the victim and um, I'm oblivious to what I do when uh, to step on people's toes. And I've always had good intentions, and I always mean to be, quote, helpful, and, and that's my role in life. So, you know, I've gone through life trying to be helpful. So my intentions have always been great, and and I've made a mess of things. I made a terrible mess of things. And then, of course, I'm also selfish and self-seeking. You know, I also want to to, to to have what should be mine. I feel like I'm entitled to love, happiness, and, and, and bliss. But life doesn't give me that entitlement, but I thought I was entitled to that. And also, I wish, I always blame my dad for everything, for my unhappiness. And on some level, I also blame God, you know. And, um, and this program taught me to let go of all preconceived notions. And my preconceived notions were that whatever happened before age six did not matter. Well, I have found out that it does matter. And, you know, there's a lot of trauma, a lot of really bad stuff that happened to me. And, 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 Oh, my gosh, it's terrible. But I blame my dad because he was visible. And then at some point, I wanted to tell him that I forgave him and that I loved him. But I didn't get to say that to him because he died. And that just breaks my heart. So I want to share that this make amends thing is a really good thing because you just never know when you're going to lose somebody. And I know that's very morbid, especially in these times, but how I wish I could have told my dad, thank you for what you did, because all I could see was all the things that he did wrong. I could not see all the things that he did right. I blamed him, basically, for everything my mom did that he didn't even know about. And... I just thank this program that, that, that is leading me to a place away from self-hatred, self-sabotage, self-rejection that I did not know I had. I thought I liked myself. Intellectually, I had all these ideas, and I had no idea that deep inside, I absolutely hated myself. And it just takes time. After a life, Irene, that's time. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you. 
And I don't know if anyone else has a problem this morning, but my every time I unmute, it automatically has been muting me. So um, anyway. Where is that? she from? She didn't say. Well, I'll ask her in a minute, okay? Thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today's uh, meeting October 28th, Wednesday, is 15651, 15,651. We are now going to close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Irene B. is going to read that for us. And Irene, please tell us where you're from. Thank you so much, Penny. I am Irene B. from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Our okay. book is okay. Okay. Thank you, Penny. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.